Everybody program created by Rio Grande. Boston police calling all cars, attention all cars, broadcast 273 regarding the murder at 9th and Mall Street. Assist the officers. That's all. Public enemy number one of the motorists is the treacherous Lupin that promises to protest but doesn't, that pretends to be strong but is actually weak. It's a crime, friends, to put that kind of oil in your crankcase. And believe me, that kind of crime doesn't pay easy. It does pay to use real lube. And here are some of the reasons. You can't break it down with the engine heat of your fastest speed. And, this is especially important in weather such as this, the swift, steady flow of real lube with every part of your motor can't be retarded by even zero temperature. You know what this means. But even though your car has stood in a cold garage or out in the open all night, this pure 100% keratin-based oil reaches even the most remote moving part of your motor the instant you step on the starter. Real loop goes to work immediately. And right here I want to say this. If the oil you're using is loafing on the job, put real loop to work for you not later than tomorrow morning when you drop around at your neighborhood Rio Grande station for that police car performance Rio Grande crash, the most highly recommended gasoline sold in the West. The story we have dramatized tonight has been taken from the confidential files of the Los Angeles Police Department. We have therefore asked Captain Russell Smith of the robbery detail to present a foreword to our program. For more than five years, this department has been cooperating with the sponsors of Calling All Cars in their endeavor to make known to the listeners of this program the problems that face law enforcement officers in their quest for the solution to crime. The fact that we have reiterated the truth that crime of any sort is a losing game, criminals still feel that they can beat that game. Tonight's story is a case in point. The man who committed the crime, of which we shall tell you tonight, had every incentive incentive to go straight, to be a good citizen. But the lure of easy money made him blind to the losing nature of the game he tried to play. We shall see as the program progresses how he learned that crime never can pay. It is nearing the hour of midnight on December 22nd, 1928. Officer H.G. Ward, patrolling the district around 9th and Wall Street, Los Angeles, is just emerging from the deep shadows into the light of the street lamp when the sound of running feet brings him up short. Racing toward him is a wild-eyed youth. Officer! Officer! Come quick! There's a dead man up there. Dead man, you say? Where? Up the street, sir, in the parking lot. All right, come on. I think he's been murdered. He's all bloody. Mr. Parkin, what you mean? Yeah. She's right over there by that old auto body. Huh? Rifle's going to come in handy. Blacker than there. He's in space back there. He's lying right between the auto body and that Ford truck. Say, you got the flashlight on him now. Yeah, I see. Oh, he did all right. You're right about it being murder. When did you come across him? Oh, just a few minutes ago. What were you doing back here in the dark at the Samanite? Oh, I live in this auto body. I fixed it up so that I could sleep in it. You mean to say you live in this thing? Yeah. Oh, it's okay with the guy who runs the phone station up front there. Maybe okay with him for you to live here, but I don't think he'd appreciate having people bumped off in his parking lot. So I think you better come along with me while I phone headquarters. A 
George Pine, later, Detective Lieutenant L.E. Sanderson, and Blaney Matthews, Assistant Chief of Detectives for District Attorney's Bureau of Investigation, arrive at the scene of the murder. Detectives from the Central Crime Squad are already firing questions at young Parker, the youth who discovered the body, when the two investigators joined the group. I didn't do it, I tell you. Well, you're the one who found him, aren't you? Sure, I found him, all right, but I never bumped him off. Who's this young fellow, Charney? Oh, hello, Sanderson. Says his name's Sam Parker. Lives in his parking lot in the auto body where the murdered man was found. Probably knows more than he's willing to tell. Hang on to him. We'll take a look at the dead man first. Okay, Mr. Matthews. Any idea who the victim is? Well, Parker says his name's Bill Hanson, but he's been living in his truck, that Ford over there. I see. What do you make of it, Sandy? Well, there's not much doubt as to how he was killed. You can see for yourself the top of his skull's crushed in, and there's all those deep gashes on his head and face. I'd say he's been dead about three hours. Mm. Most likely clubbed to death. With some kind of a heavy weapon. Look at his hands, Matthews. They're all skinned up. Somebody's dragged him over a rough surface. Probably the gravel of this parking lot. Yeah. Let's take a look around that Ford truck of Hanson, as Tony pointed out. We might find something. Okay. I knew just how much that fellow Parker knows about this. Maybe if we... There. Take a look at that, Matthews. Mm-hmm. Here, at the rear of the truck. Pool of blood. And a big one, at that. There's another one over there. By George, there's a man's blood-stained hat lying right at the edge of it. Green fedora, eh? You know, Matthews, I think Hanson was struck right here at his own truck. See where the gravel's disturbed? Yeah, that's plain enough. That'll account for his skinned up hands. He must have been dragged across the lot to the auto body where Parker sleeps. Reasonable. I'm going to show this hat to Parker and see what he says. Good idea. We should find a motive for this business. Uh, one will most likely pop up. They generally do. Here's hoping this won't be the exception. Say, Parker! Take a look at this hat, will you? Yeah. Is this yours? No, it ain't mine. Hanson's. I've seen him wearing it. How long have you known Hanson? Oh, about a week. He drove that old truck in here and paid Ralph Moore for a week's parking. Said he was looking to buy a new car to go on traveling in. Who's Ralph Moore? The guy that runs the filling station in the parking lot. I've done a little work around here for him, and he let me sleep in that old truck body over there. How long have you been here, Parker? Uh, sleeping here on the lot, I mean. Oh, about three weeks, I guess. Been tramping the country, but just try and find a job. Did Hanson have any money? Sure, he carried a roll of bills fit to choke a horse. Well, how'd you find that out? I've seen him when he paid for the parking space. Not a dime in his pocket now, Sandy. Have you searched Parker here, Colonel? Yeah, he's got a quarter, that's all. What in blazes is that? Looks like a couple of the boys have stopped his car out there in the driveway in front of the service station. Come on, Sandy, let's find out what it's all about. A man and a woman in the car, isn't it? Yeah, I don't see anybody else. What's it? Who are these people? I started driving in here and then decided to back out in a big hurry. He said you don't want to get mixed up in anything. Oh, yeah? What's your name, mister? Henry Harper. What made you think you might get mixed up in something? Well, I... I saw the cops, but... Well, I'm the stop. I haven't done anything. How'd you happen to be coming in here? You could see the station was closed, couldn't you? Well, sure. I wanted to see if my partner's truck was here. It appears. Got a job for Monday, and I wanted to check up on it. Who's your partner? Francisco Canelli. He keeps his truck and car here and does street jobs and stuff like that. Where have you been tonight? Oh, we, uh, that is, Miss Eubanks here and I went to the movies. We ran away home when I said I wanted to stop here. Why? What's happened? You don't know there's been a murder? Good Lord, no. I swear I don't. Well, a man by the name of Hanson has just been found murdered. He was lying by an auto body at the rear of the lot. You mean the auto body where Sam Parker sleeps? Yeah. Tell me, what do you know about young Parker? Well, nothing much. 
He did some work for Cannelli and me. He dug a pit for us near the grease rack we just put in. Would you say he's the type of man who'd commit murder? Well, no. But then, of course, he was broke and hobo. If the guy that killed had any dough, you can't tell. I see. Well, I'm sorry, Harper, but we'll have to hold you and your lady friend for further questioning. Well, now, wait a minute. I'll... I'm sorry, Harper. An hour or so later, Blaney Matthews and Lieutenant Sanderson are questioning Parker at the Central Homicide Office. Parker, what did you do yesterday? That was uh, Saturday. Went to a movie about half past four. When I got out, it was about quarter to eight. And I went to a dance hall over on San Pedro Street. Did you know anybody at the dance hall? No, but I met a girl there. Her name's Ann Smith. We danced together most of the time until it let out. That was about 11 o'clock. Then I took Ann to the streetcar. Took her to the streetcar, huh? Yeah. And then you came back to the parking lot and smashed in Hanson's head for his bankroll. Is that it? No, I never did. When I got back there, I walked around the corner of the truck. I seen that hat and leaned down to look at it. Then I seen the blood in the lining. I went on over to my shack and I seen a man's body lying there. And boy, I burnt the wind to get that cop. What time was that? Oh, about quarter past eleven. And you have no idea who could have killed Hanson? No, sir. Except it wasn't me. All right, Parker. But we'll have to hold you as a material witness. Take him out and lock him up, Red. Okay, Lieutenant. Well, Matthews, what do you think? Parker's story sounds fair enough. Clearly, he had a potential motive for murdering the old man, all right. Yeah, that's true. Then, too, even though he only had a quarter on him when he was arrested, he still had time to hide Hanson's bankroll between the time of the killing and when he went out to call the officer. What about this fellow Moore who runs the place? I don't know. Henry Harper gave me Moore's address. I think you better send a man out to pick him up. And while he's at it, he might as well pick up Francisco Tonelli, Harper's partner. I'd kind of like to hear what he has to say. Good idea, Sandy. Well, it'll be daylight so long. I suggest we go back there to Nice and Wall in a little while and make a thorough search of that parking lot. It was too dark to see much of anything when we were there before. Yeah. Maybe we can learn something worth knowing this time. Station and parking lot. We should hurry and get through. 
We're staying here until we find out all we want to know. Yeah? I'm always busy on Sunday. Police being here won't have to promote good business. Well, that's just too bad, isn't it? But murder is never good business. They can't find a cop so we're sticking in no German fellow, isn't he? Yeah. Well, I don't see much of any place else we can look around this trap. A lot of good it is. That's a fact.
You drove to Inez's last night? First time I took a taxi stand. Why? When I started out of the station, the coupe had a flat tire. Went to a garage near here and told the guy to fix it up. And I called a cab and went out to Inez's, picked her up, came back down to the garage. Coop was fixed up by then, so we took it. All right, Moore. But you might as well make up your mind you're going to stay in jail so we can check your alibi. That goes to your friend Sonelli, too. A few hours later, Lieutenant Sanderson was conferring with Captain James F. Dean, chief of the homicide detail in the latter's office. You were saying you have four suspects in jail already. Is that right, Sanderson? Yes, sir. Each of them had a possible motive, and they all had an opportunity to kill Hanson. You were sure the motive was robbery? I'm certain of it, sir. There's no trace of Hanson's bankroll anywhere. None of the four suspects had much cash on him when taken into custody, but it would have been easy to hide Hanson's money after killing him. Mm-hmm. You better start seeing if you can break down one of the alibis. There's always a chance, you know, that someone besides these four might have murdered the old man. Well, that's true, but... I think either Moore or Harper or Tonelli killed him and dragged the body to Parker's truck so it looked like the tramp had done it. You mean because the lad's a drifter, the killer would figure it easy to pin the crime on him, huh? Exactly. Well, I'm going to get Mike to my office, Captain. I have some people coming in who were with Moore last night. This will give me a chance to check on his alibi. Good. I'll see you later, Sam. I'll let you know if anything new turns up. Mr. Inez Chapman to see you, Lieutenant. Okay. Sure in, Red. Yes, sir. With any kind of luck, Matthews, we ought to get some sort of a lead out of this girl. Let's hope so. It's about time. You Yeah. Yeah, sit down, Miss Chapman. Thank you. Miss Chapman, how long have you known Ralph Moore? About a month, I should say. Tell me about what you did together on Saturday night. Well, Ralph came over to the house in his working clothes. He said a taxi was waiting at his car had tire trouble. He went to a top three house on Alameda Street. Sent to his house, told you to clean up. He got in his coop in the garage first, though, and Ralph let the cab go. Did you go inside his house? No, I waited in the car. Uh-huh. Did you notice any uh, scratches on Ralph? Any uh, fresh wounds? He had or... a bandage on his hand, but I knew he cut himself about a week ago. I didn't think anything about it till I saw fresh blood on the bandage. Oh. Ralph said he'd hit the cut and opened it. Did Ralph tell you who owned that coupe? Sure, he said it belonged to his mother. What did you and Ralph do after he changed his clothes that night at his house? He just drove around a little and then went to my house. I see. Was Ralph uh, nervous? Did he act peculiarly? Uh, did he give you any money? I didn't know that he was nervous. He's awfully dirty and apologized for not having gone home to change before he came. Said he'd been working. It was a little after 10 o'clock. What makes you so sure of the time? Because I've been expecting him since eight, and he didn't give me any money. What time did you finally leave, Ralph? Around midnight. Oh, well, thank you, Miss Chapman. That's all. You may go now. Thank you, Lieutenant. You hear that, Matthews? I know Chapman says she left Ralph at midnight. He told us it was 2 a.m. Yeah, I got that. I think I'll go out and make a thorough checkup on Moore's movements that night. If you drop back here in the morning, we'll see if we can't piece some of this tangle together. <laughs> Lieutenant Sanderson checked with the garage man, where Moore had his tire repaired, and with the cab driver. Both corroborate the statements of Moore and Inez Chapman. And then a startling fact comes to light. Blaney Matthews has just entered the office of Lieutenant Sanderson on the following morning. 
new development from the Hanson case, Andy? Plenty. It's just been reported to me that the tire tracks we found that ran through that pool of blood strongly resemble those of a tire on Tonelli's Hudson. Did you talk to Tonelli? Well, of course. But he sticks to his original story like a leech. I've checked with the man he had dinner with that night, and he verifies Tonelli's statement. We haven't been able to locate the girl he took to the dance. Hmm. Looks like we're up against the stone wall, doesn't it? Well, I've got both Parker and Harper waiting outside, and I was just going to call Harper in when you arrived. Think you might get something new by questioning them again? I'm going to try. Send Harper in here, Red. Yes, sir. Yeah, I wish you luck. How long have I got to stay in jail, Lieutenant? Ah, never mind that. You better come clean, Henry. You came back to the service station to meet your accomplice, didn't you? To meet the man who had killed Hanson and was going to split with you. No. I, uh... Well, I was coming back to meet someone. Yeah, but I didn't know about the murder, honest, sir. Who'd you come back to meet? Parker. Parker? And just why were you going back at midnight to meet Parker? Well, I wanted to get a new axle for the Pierce truck, and I didn't have any money to pay for it, so... Parker and I were just... Well, uh, going to steal one, huh? He said he knew where we might be able to pick one up. That was all honest. Well, I'll be. All right. You can get back to your cell. Have him send Parker in here. Yes, sir. Well, if this case doesn't beat anything, I've struck so far. Yeah. We seem to be finding out everything but who killed Bill Hanson. That's right. We can't find the murderer, but we've turned up one car theft and two potential robbers. Yeah. Yeah. Parker says you and he were going to steal an axle last Saturday night. See what? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah. That's what we were going to do. But I didn't speak about it because the murder stopped the deal from going through. Well, there's nothing else you've forgotten, is there, Parker? Huh? No. You know whether Tonelli ever saw Hanson's bankroll? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I remember. He saw it all right. Okay. That's all, Parker. Well, so long, Lieutenant. See you later. Well, that's that. We're no further along than when we started. They all have good alibis, Matthews. Harper, Tonelli, Parker, and... Wait a minute. Moore. Only Moore has no alibi. There's an owl or so the night of the murder he hasn't accounted for. One of those other alibis might be framed. Moore seems like a nice kid. Good family and all. Certainly he doesn't need to go like some of the others. Granted. But there's a few things about that young man I intend to clear up. What do you figure I'm doing? First, I'm going over and talk to his parents. Then I'm going to make a complete search of that service station. I've just got an idea the murder weapon may be in there. In both instances, Lieutenant Sanderson is rewarded. At the home of Moore's parents, a pair of blood-stained shoes is found. And at the service station, he finds a blood-stained gasoline pump friend. Tucked away under some rags in a small cupboard. Back in his office, Sanderson orders more to be brought over from the jail so that he may confront him with his new evidence. He and Blaney Matthews are reading the police report on Moore, which has just been submitted. Hmm. Hasn't a very good report, has he? This report dates back three years to 1925. He was arrested in Utah for auto theft. Yeah. And a little later, he stole a Ford car in Los Angeles. Apprehended at Provo, Utah, and sentenced to 10 months in the county jail. Uh-huh. Broke jail, stole another car, and came back here. Caught by Los Angeles police and sentenced to federal prison at Leavenworth, Kansas. I see he was released from there on June 26th of this year. Let's see. That's almost six months to the day from the night of Hanson's murder. Here's more, Lieutenant. 
Ralph Moore was brought to trial in the court of the late Judge William Tell Egler and was sentenced to life imprisonment in Folsom. The judge was careful to include a recommendation that Moore never be paroled. The tire tracks of Canelli's automobile were found to be mere coincidence, and he was cleared of any connection with the crime. Thank you, Captain Smith. Attention all cars, the cancellation of broadcast 273 regarding a murder. The specialist case is now in custody. That's all. Rose. This is your narrator, Fred Wickland, bidding you good night for Rio Grande. Columbia Broadcasting System.